VA Health and Benefits, official mobile app for VA Health and Benefits. VA's official mobile app is a smarter, more convenient way for veterans to manage and carry their VA Health and Benefits information. One veteran notes, I went into my local hardware store and logged into my VA mobile app. A quick glance at my phone showed them I was a veteran and I was able to get the veteran discount without any paperwork. It was easy and convenient. Download the app via the Apple Store at https colon forward slash forward slash apple dot co forward slash three uppercase j lowercase b lowercase k nine uppercase o lowercase l or download the app via the Google Play Store at https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash 3 uppercase Q 5 lowercase Q 9 uppercase L 5 Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis, Marine Corps veteran. I'm your host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubazoo.com. I want to start off and thank my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, all veteran-owned businesses, Sipper Savage Salad Dressing, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Asan Shaving Company. I love conversations like this in Oscar Mike radio where, you know, one person approaches me and then it's kind of like a dominoes falling or a chess move where I get to talk to the next person because of that person and it keeps continuing. And today is no exception. Uh, I'm going to talk with uh, Green Beret Army veteran Chris Schaefer of Tactical 16 Publishing. And we got connected through Spencer Imsch with his book, uh, you know, Time of Flight. Chris, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Hey, brother. Thank you so very much for having me on, man. I mean, it's, it's great to meet other veterans doing great things. So uh, I, I appreciate it. I really do. Thanks. It's no problem at all. I, mean, I had a great conversation with Spencer. In fact, if you all watched the show before this one, you got to meet him. And now, like I said, it's a bonus. Uh, we're getting to talk with you now. Um. I always ask veterans this because even though we all serve, we come from different places and went different places. If you would kind of give me the cliff notes or summary of, of, of your, your life and your, your army life. I mean, 25 years is hard to condense down to a couple of sound yeah. bites, but you, yeah, you don't have is. to, you don't, you don't have to write war and peace either. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Who is, who is Chris Schaefer? Well, I, I grew up in a small town um, in Nebraska. I'm a, I'm a car and Husker and uh, there was nothing there, man. I mean, at the end of my street was cornfield, um, you know, and I graduated with 200 kids and that was like the largest graduating class that my town had ever had. And even since then, anyways, you know, I didn't want to be a railroader and I surely wasn't going to be a farmer or a rancher. Um, so I joined the army and, uh, you know, it was under the, uh, delayed entry program. I wanted to 
go to college, you know. My uh, parents didn't have enough money to send me to college, even back in the 80s, because it was still pretty expensive. Um, I spent about 10 years as a military policeman, which always gets the, yeah, everybody <laughs> always raises their eyebrows, like, what, you know, and it was, anyways, it was, it, it was an interesting time in my life, uh, you know, bar fights and car accidents and, you know, child abuse cases and domestics and everything a regular cop does, you know, DUI uh, stuff like that. It's all, it's all pretty much the same stuff. Um, and then I just got, I couldn't get promoted, man. It was Clinton error. You know, oh. nobody could do anything. You know, how I kind of just tore down the military. There was no promotions. Nobody was doing anything. And so um, I was like, God, how do I get promoted, man? You know, when you got 900 in the army is a thousand. Uh, it was a, at the time it was 1000 points was the maximum amount of points you could get. And I had 998 points. <gasps> Yeah, just needed two more, Chris. Yeah, and I couldn't get promoted. I mean, it was five years, and I had nine hundred ninety-eight. I maintained that level, and uh, no promotion. So I was like, "Well, how do I get out of this?" You know. Um, so it was about ten years in the military. You know, when when you get to that point, you got to make that decision. You know, are you gonna are you just gonna walk away from ten years and just you know get nothing out of it other than just the experience? Or are you going to do in the next 10 years and, you know, hopefully you can survive and and uh, actually get a retirement. So I was like, well, I don't know anything else. I try to get picked up as a cop. Uh, but, you know, that whole thing is, is he, they want you to be inside the, you know, the prison system for a little while. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. I'm just, I'm just not going to go do that. So I thought about joining the infantry. I was like, ah, you know, they always need guys, you know. <laughs> They'll let me in. I got a pulse, and I'm, I'm too dumb to, you know, stop. So <laughs> I was like, they'll let me in, and they're like, ah, no, we won't even let you in the infantry. I was like, well, Jesus, what do I got to do? So, uh, you know, I talked to the SF recruiter, and I went to selection. Um, that was the first year Denver won the Super Bowl. Oh wow! And, yeah, so we were, we were at selection at Fort Bragg. And the word around inside the barracks there is like, oh, they're going to give us time to watch the Super Bowl, you know. And so we were we were all excited about it, you know. And and I think the cadre were even kind of hinting towards that. So we were all excited about it. No. No, the next morning we got up at four and they beat our ass all day. <laughs> so, so we didn't get to see the Super Bowl, you know. Uh, so, so it was funny because I'm a big Denver Broncos fan, you know, because grew up in Nebraska. There's nothing there. So there's always a Denver team. And um, I didn't get to actually see it until after I got back to Germany. And uh, it was pretty funny. I kept telling the guys, I was like, don't you dare tell me how, I, you know, I knew Denver had won, but I hadn't, you know, seen the game. So, but anyways, that just, you know, from there I spent 13 years with third special forces group. Um, you know, I, I loved that job. There was so much responsibility, um, you know, and you just, you just have to be at a different level all the time. And so when I got out, you know, I just didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I think transition for us, especially in the combat arms field, it's, it's truly a little more difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's it, man. Then I landed into this thing. It just kind of dropped into my lap. And I mean, I made it my new purpose. I did. Uh, let me tell you, though, brother, <laughs> I did all kinds of jobs, man, from driving school buses to selling 
I sold alcohol, I sold guns, you know, in all these different shops, and and I even I even drove uh, over the road. I was an over the road trucker for a little, little while. So. <laughs> you you do all these things, and I guess you're trying to find what you you definitely knew what you didn't want to do. But how do you go from being in combat arms and a Green Beret to all these jobs? to deciding that, you know, hey, rotting really works for me and I want to expand that out into Tactical 16. So have you have you done some of those? I guess I want to ask you a question so that I know where I'm at. Have you done any of those, um, I guess, events like the equine training for, you know, veterans? I've been around some equine. I've been around some yeah. equine training and some other veterans events for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I got nine combat deployments uh, and I don't, I don't say that to brag. It's just our generation has done that. You know, we've had multiple deployments to different combat zones um, over and over and over again. And then that's, what's important about telling our story, but to answer your question, um, I, I just fell, it just fell in my lap. I was, getting my master's um and one of my professors said hey you write pretty well i was like are you kidding me i write like at an eighth grade army level i mean come on you know and uh he goes no no and really you do and i said well you know what do you he said he wanted to meet me at a starbucks after class was finished but so i did and he asked me to help him write a book um a co-authored a book so during that process, uh, we were going to include a little bit about post-traumatic stress because the concept was to have corporate America, big businesses, hiring managers understand what they get when they get with the veteran. And we wanted to address the issue of post-traumatic stress because what we found is that there's so many misconceptions. I mean, all vets have it, you know, and it, 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 we both know, you know, the clerk that's doing finance probably doesn't have post-traumatic stress because he was downrange, you know what I'm saying? Because he was in an office, he really didn't, you know, he wasn't in, in that type of environment. But the other thing is, is that there's a lot of civilians that also have post-traumatic stress. If you've, you know, raped victims, um, you know, if you've been in a horrific car crash, if you've had a, you know, a fire um, in your home. I mean, there's just a lot of things that, that, you know, you could have post-traumatic stress, just not the overall thing for veterans. So anyways, of course, that's what I was asking, you know, they find the, you know, go out and, you know, they do the hunt, uh, they do all this stuff. So I had done all those things. I haven't went to a native American sweat lodge. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of stuff and they all got their own thing. And I'm not talking bad about any of them. It's just, they all have their own little you know, kind of flavor, if you will. But writing, as I was co-authoring the book and we started to write about post-traumatic stress, I started kind of writing some of the dark side of, you know, some of my deployments. And at the time, I didn't know uh, that there was this doctor, his name is Ten, T-E-N-N, I think, which is kind of ironic uh, because he's the individual that actually did the research on how writing can be a therapy. And so I didn't know any of this. I just started writing. And uh, when we were trying to get published, 
we sent out about 42 different query letters to publishers and they all got denied. And so we were really pretty discouraged because we were getting close to the end of writing the book and we wanted to see if somebody would publish us. Well, Eric Shaw, which he was the owner of this company before me, and that is the whole story of that. We'll probably get to it. But we're having a beer in a bar and he's talking to me about my our book and I'm, I'm talking to him about it. And he says, are you going to write anything about post-traumatic stress? And I said, yeah, we think we're going to put in a chapter in there. And he looked at me and he goes, watch out, you'll face demons that you thought you put away. You'll and face was, demons that you thought you put away. What a, wow, what a powerful statement at that point in time. Yeah, brother, that, that statement there, I like, man, you don't know me, you know, that, that khaki, you know, you don't know me. Like I, I, you know, I'm good. Right. You've probably been there yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've talked to vets that, you know, I eat lightning so, crap thunder. I mean, I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, you know, um, I went and I started writing that and, uh, I, what I found was that I, I'd never experienced such, yeah, how do you put it, man? Um, I, I think it was just so vivid in my mind about the things that angered me, the things that scared me, the things that I couldn't control. And so, um, I would write for hours and hours and hours about this and I'd wake up, you know, in the morning and I'd go back and read that stuff and I'd be like, yeah, that guy's angry. Like, I can't believe, you know, how angry that person is. And to think that it was me writing it was just, you know, an awakening, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, Eric Shaw that started his company, he, he was the guy that actually, you know, kind of experienced this himself. Um, and that's kind of what he wanted to pass down. And so I experienced it myself too. And against all the other things that I've done, you know, with the, with the fishing and the sweat lodges and the mankind project and all these other things, you know, I, I think writing, you know, you can talk about it, but we all put those masks on, you know, and we don't really, we don't really generally want to tell guys stuff, uh, that are real personal to us. You know, you know how we kind of go about things and and some of it's bravado and you know blah 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 you know uh, but to get real personal about it was you know something that i hadn't done until i actually started writing now none of that stuff ever made the book i called brent and i said hey look dude this is so dark nobody's gonna understand it and honestly it's gonna scare the hell out of people <laughs> you know but for you putting it on paper seeing it in black and white did, did it close that loop or start a healing process for you? No, I think it just started a healing process with me. Um, you know, and the research that Penn did, you know, he was like, you, you should write for like 15 minutes a day. You know, well, I, in good army smartness, I would write for hours and hours and hours, like, like six hours. I mean, what? literally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, straight. Yeah. I, I mean, I would just have pages and pages and pages of stuff. No print, no punctuation, nothing, just my feelings, you know, and this happened and, you know, and I mean, it was dark stuff. Like, like I was going to go back there and like do unspeakable things. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, and it was, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a, a huge awakening to myself and a realization that, Hey, look, you know, there are some buried feelings that I have, um, and, and I need to face them. So, um, and, and I think it was good. It was a relief. Finally, I could really tell my own damn story without having, you know, some other dudes around me, you know, judge me because, you know, I felt this way or I thought about this or I did this. Even if they may have had the same type of feeling, you kind of hold that back a little bit because you don't want to be so vulnerable, you know. But when you write and it's yours, regardless of where it goes, even if you throw it in a fire, it doesn't matter. You've actually you know, really kind of express yourself. You, you've taken those intangible things out of you and made it real. It's what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's what Eric was getting at. Yeah. What was it like, you know, publishing your first book then? Oh, wow. So the publishing world, man, let me tell you what, it has been a, learning experience like none other i didn't have anybody to help me with this thing you know dude i've been i've been literally you know it has been uh, a trial and error all the way up to now i mean because you know we can learn all kinds of stuff in the military right like we can learn how to manage people we can manage you know in essence chaos and come out on the other side at least you know, in a, in a, we can at least get through it. I'm not going to say we're going to be clean or anything like that, but we'll get through it. Right. So I had no idea. My, my, my co-author, Dr. Carter had already wrote a book. He had written a book and it had been published. And so he knew the kind of the ropes and I was learning as I was writing because my focus was just on writing. But when we got to the publishing part, I had no clue. I had no clue that most publishers take almost 90% of every sale. Wow. That, that's something I had no idea. I always wondered how that worked. Yeah. So, and if it, the other part of it is this. So I've done a lot of research since I've started this thing because I kind of want to understand, you know, what I'm getting my in, myself into. You know what I'm saying? Like right. when you start a new thing, it's like, I don't even know what I'm getting myself into. So let me do a little bit of study in this. And I'm, I'm a pretty good researcher because I was an Intel guy for a little while. Um, so I can research stuff pretty well. And, you know, getting your master's, that's all you do anyways, regurgitate other crap, you know. And most of the crap ain't even any good, you know, really. I mean, you know, I wrote an antithesis the whole class one time and thought I was going to get slam dunk, but, uh, Fortunately, my teacher gave me an A. He goes, you're the only person that ever done this. And I was like, well, that's because they don't know how to think for themselves. <laughs> so you're going through this, let's just trial by fire. There's no other easy way to say it. And it sounds like Tactical 16 or, you know, what you have now was already kind of there before you got involved with it. And so, yeah, I'm kind of curious, how do you go from the writer to publishing to now taking over or acquiring whatever it is, this publishing company? Because it sounds like 
the reason was your experience was so challenging in some ways that you're like, you know, I want to do this on my own. Yeah. Um, actually I try to divorce myself from this thing many a times. <laughs> <laughs> I did, man. That's why I had all those other jobs. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a trucker, you know, of course I crashed the truck like five times. And then the company, they were like, uh, we got to fire you. <laughs> it was a terrible trucker. Anyways. I mean, I couldn't drive that thing for, yeah, I can put it on the highway and drive it straight. But, um, so I tried to divorce myself from this cause I just didn't really think, you know, this would be something that, you know, I really don't know what the hell I thought. Um, I just didn't think this would be something I'd want to do, but here's the thing that really changed my mind about it. A couple of things. Um, when I was doing my research in 2019, I think is the last numbers we have. Um, and this is just to kind of give you an idea of the industry. There was 1.6 million self-published titles. 1.6. 1.6 million. So, and that's only because the technology that we have now for you to publish a book like KDP and, you know, all these other platforms that will actually get your book into a formatted product that you can actually have printed, right? Because that was the whole crux of the thing. Like, you can't use a Word document, go to your local printer and say, hey, print this off. It'll look like, you know, look gar like garbage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to be a professional product. So now we've got platforms and different programs that will allow you to create a book. Now, you can do it on your own, and there's a lot of canned stuff out there. But irregardless of all that, 1.6 million, there's a lot of people out there that need some professional help. And a lot of those books aren't done very well. They're just telling their story. The other part of it is, is that they don't really have, uh, there wasn't at the time from my research of a good company that would help them not only get their book done professionally, but really get it out there on the market. There's marketing companies and there's, you know, agencies that will help you get, promote your stuff. Um, but not specifically book companies that would produce your book and then not, you know, absorbently charge you for marketing. it. Um, so I thought, well, 1.6 million, I don't need 1.6 million. I just need a, you know, I just, I just want a small segment of that. So what Eric had kind of started was the fact that he wanted people and vets to benefit from the idea that if you write your story, it'll help you. Okay. And it, it and it's proven. I mean, it's, it's, it's a proven therapy. I'm sure you've been told about it before, you know, Hey, journal, right? Oh yeah. Have you, yeah. yeah. Right. And you're just like, ah, I'd rather go shoot guns and fish and, you know, let me go drive four wheelers in the desert. That's cool. You know, but honestly, you're just having fun. Come on guys. We all know it. And you might sit around a fire and talk a little bit, but you know, and then it's the same thing. I mean, uh, bravado, you know, uh, you know, this and that, you know, yeah, you got in a firefight, but the bullets were way over there and every, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, right, right, right. So, but writing your story and keeping it to yourself and being honest with yourself is, is a huge thing. So that's kind of what I based this whole thing on. It's an intangible for the company. I can't really sell it. How do you sell that? You don't, you don't, can't, can't really market it. Um, but that coupled with 
all the veterans. I mean, there's 250,000 veterans that get out of the service every year. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I just thought, well, you know, who's telling our stories? Well, a lot of time right now, it's Hollywood and, you know, what their perception of who we are that's doing it. Right. And that's a perception, just like you said, right? Right. I mean, when's the last, did you, have you watched any of the, I mean, I, I can always watch World War II movies, anything in past, Korea, Vietnam, all that other stuff. But for some reason, I just cannot bring myself to watching our generation's war. The, the only are you like book, that? The only book or movie that I've really like resonated with, um, I liked Black Hawk Down. I read the mm. book and watched the movie. The other one, uh, the book more so than the series with Generation Kill, because I'm I'm a Marine, and they got a lot of that right. Outside of those two, I agree with you. There hasn't been. So I, I might get some hate for this, Chris, and and don't think it's the wrong way. But I found uh, American Sniper to like a better term to have a lot of holes in that story that they did not really flesh yeah. out about Chris Kyle. And that kind of turned me off because for, for a lot of reasons, I don't want to get into it now, but since, since generation kill, I haven't really watched anything that ha- has resonated with me. It's just the honest truth. I agree with you. Yeah. In generation kill, I haven't seen it. Um, I know it's a great series. Guys always say it's good stuff, but you're, I mean, you're saying it's pretty solid. I mean, it's not as a Marine, crazy. you know, so I, I was a radar operator for a sand battery in the Marine Corps. I wasn't an infantry, but a lot of the Marine Corps way we do things and way we are was really reflected well in that series and the book, which is really? why, I, why I liked it. And then, you know, hats off to, you know, Black Hawk Down happened like right before, right as I was getting in and, you know, they would tell us and, you know, in the infantry training school and boot camp, what you all went through, you know, during that time, it was amazing that, that more of you, more of the army didn't perish there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of friends. One of the docs that was in my battalion, um, he, he, he was there. He tells me funny stories, but he couldn't watch the movie because he's like, ah, well, you know, some of that stuff didn't really happen, but neither here nor there. I agree with you. The book was really well done. Um, and the movie was great. I mean, yeah, and they're going to take lessons in the movies, but still it wasn't really, even that book wasn't written by an army personnel is written by a reporter embedded, you know, a reporter hearing it. So there is this lack of narrative from our community and I don't know how to fix that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of dipping my toe into that right now, as we discussed earlier, but you know, so you see this need is there's essentially Every four years, a million stories out there, and maybe one or two might get told. Now, those one or two, you might not ever hear of them. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, is like you're saying, it's 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 always from an embedded reporter or a historian or somebody that, you know, is a writer. Um, and a lot of the times, the stories are sensationalized because what's interesting that I found out is this. When you and I sit down and talk, what's exceptional to us veteran is not that exceptional to the regular civilian. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so if I read your story and you tell me it, I would know that, hey, look, that certain thing that happened there is like extraordinary. But nobody else will understand that. And that's neither here nor there. But it, if you get a collection of all these stories together, I think somebody would be able to say, wow, these are the extraordinary points throughout this history of all these people. You know, and, and we don't have that. You know, I think, uh, oh, what was it? Something about letters from the front or who wrote this story with all the letters and they took all the letters. I know there's been a couple of them out there. Do you, what was the story? What, what was the name of that book? There was letters, a book, there's letters from the front. There's 77 letters from the Vietnam era. Uh, I, I know It'll it'll click in my head at two o'clock this morning what you're talking about. Yeah, no, right? You'll sit down and you're like, ah, did I remember now? Um, was it eating soup with a knife? Was that one? How to eat soup with a knife? Was that from the World War II guys? Letters. I, I, I haven't heard heard of that one. I know. Well, and so my my, I mean, the reason why I bring this up is that, yeah, we don't we got internet now. Unless you're going to go through email. I mean, so where do you start with that? If you're going to do the same thing today that you could do World War II where there are all these letters and you could go find these guys, their families, and, and collect a letter, you know, oh, I have these letters, and use them. I mean, that's, you know, even from the Civil War, I think a couple of them were done like that too, right? If I right, 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 yeah. In, in my town, they have, like, they, they were able to go, like you said, to the families and find these trunks that had letters in them and they've put them in the historical side. It's pretty amazing. Just as a side of curiosity, have you ever read Chicken Hawk by Robert Mason? No, I haven't. It's on my list though. So well, just... No, I was telling Spencer, I'm like, look, you know, if, if you're an army aviator and rotary wing, you know, I'm, I'm going to measure your book against his. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's just, you know, I wasn't in the army and, you know, we practiced shooting down helicopters and, and that book is probably, in my view, one of the best uh, aviation, military aviation books ever written. But I was just curious. Um, so you saw this need, right, in these stories coming out. How? And we're going to talk about this after the show. But say I'm a veteran and I am, and I want to, you know, I like writing, or I don't like writing, but I'm trying to write. And. I approach you to say, hey, Chris, I think I've got this thing down. How do you take me in or do the intake process and get me into the Tactical 16 publishing fold? Yeah. Um, we've created a process for that whole thing. Um, last year, we had uh, 300 requests to publish. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, the uh, we need to kind of get through the chaff and get to the wheat. So how do you do that? And so we built this process where anybody can submit a request. Um, and we'll send them basically, hey, here's how we operate. Uh, but it really starts when I, I actually interview every potential author. Okay, I sit down with them. I call them on the phone. And I just talk with them and, you know, it's not that they have to write their memoir because we do fiction books, we're doing series, uh, we've done children's books, we've done poems, 
Um, we've done all these things. And really what it is, is that as a company, we have a brand. We have a brand that we compete with all these other companies, okay? Because there are a lot of other entities out there that will produce your book. For instance, you could go to Lulu. You could say, hey, I got a book. They would help you do it. Um, they would charge you about, you know, 8000 bucks, and they would give you a file. And you could load it up on Amazon, KDP, wherever you wanted to go and load it up on there to sell it. Okay. Um, and they don't really care. As long as you got the money, brother, they don't really care. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying they're bad companies. They got a lot of good things going on and they're pretty robust and they've got a bunch of people to do stuff to help you out with, you know, creating that book for you. We're a little more hands-on because I want to know the vet. I want to know the family member. I want to know the police officer. I want to know the first responder. So we, we actually have a phone call and we just sit down and we just kind of, you know, like dogs, man, we circle each other and we just make sure, you know, that, that we get word the right smell for each other because the brand is important. <laughs> the brand is important for us. Um, and, and the reason being is this, if I write your story, how many people do you know? Okay. Right. 500. Let's just say 500. Yeah. 500. Okay. So in the traditional publishing world, if you were to submit something to, let's say the big five penguin house, random, you know, uh, penguin, um, yeah, Simon and Schuster, yeah. Simon and Schuster. Yeah. There's, they call them the big five. I think two of them were going to merge and then that became an antitrust thing or whatever, because they were going to be this huge conglomerate thing. Anyways, neither here nor there. So here's a little bit about this. Only one out of 100 proposals going to the big five will ever get accepted. So it's, it, it's really a stroke of luck maybe to even get noticed in the book world. Well, and that's why I asked you how many people you know. You might know 500. Well, yeah. if you're an Obama, they're going to give you a book deal. Why? Because you're an ex-president. I mean... If you're Brian Kilmeade and you got your own Fox News, you know, segment, of course you're going to get signed. I mean, those, I'm not saying that those books are good or bad, but honestly, the only reason why they get signed is because of who they are. So it's not what you know, it's who you know. Exactly. And so with that being said, that's how the bestsellers come about, too. It's not about how many books... It's all subjective about how many books are sold before it's a bestseller, depending on the entity. Like the New York Times might have you 4,000 copies sold, but the Washington Post might have 10,000 copies sold. But it doesn't really matter because you got to know somebody at the Post if you really want to get on the bestsellers list. So <laughs> this idea, notional I had that, hey, you know, this book is really amazing. And, and the, the editors and the publishers are like, wow, this is, you know, wow, we're going to go full send on this isn't happening. That's not, that's not how the game's played. No, 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 no. So here, 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 let me give you a little bit. Billy Waugh. And here's what I reached back into my memory bank of my, my SF career, Billy Waugh was a Green Beret during Vietnam. He was one of the guys that was on the Sante raid. Okay. And I'm sure some of your listeners know what that was all about. That was about going and getting POWs. 
inside uh, Vietnam, way behind enemy lines. Um, there's been all kinds of movies, but what happened is that they had so much rain, the shackles couldn't be secured to the walls and to the floors. So the Vietnamese moved all the prisoners out like days before they did the actual hit and the raid. It was a complete success. Everything went down right, but there was just nobody to save. So Billy Waugh was a guy, I think he was a sergeant major. Anyways, I kind of get that a little confused, but he would come to us at Fort Bragg and he would brief us on how the Sante raid went down and how it was successful, what they did and all this other stuff. And it was just kind of like, you know, learning session for us. But we love to talk to Billy Wall because he's like this huge icon, little tiny guy. And he's, my name is Billy Wall. You know, he's got this, <laughs> he's got this real Southern accent. And it literally, he's a badass. Like, I mean, if you ever read his story, he's a badass. He was a guy that was hired by the agency to go find Carlos the Jackal. Okay. He found him, and the book that resulted out of that was called Hunting the Jackal, if you've ever read it. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Okay. We would always get that copy of that book, and we'd go when we knew Billy Wall was coming to town to give us a briefing. It was like, hey, sign this for us. And I remember the day he came, he can't kind of give these little brief, and he said, and then he started talking about the book. And he said, I hate that book. We were like, what? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about, Billy? This is like, I mean, literally, that thing sold like hundreds of thousands of copies. Like, it's kind of a big deal. And he goes, well, that's not how it went down. We're like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I think it was Penguin or whatever. He goes, yeah, Penguin sensationalized that book. Not really how it happened. So he didn't tell his story how it happened the way he wanted to. Somebody else had control. Yeah. The publisher totally rewrote it. And here's the reason why. Now, I got, I love Billy, but he's not the greatest author. Okay. Okay. So he's got another book that I actually got signed by him, and it was done by him and everything else, and it's called Comancho. And it's about this NCO that he, you know, he knew in Vietnam. And it's really an incredible story. What this guy survived, I mean, he has survived an Arcolite run. It's nuts. Like only in Vietnam. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's just hard to read because it's really in Billy's voice and it's hard to read. Um, so with that being said, you've got that. Here's a guy who's got a great story, but he needs help writing his book. Okay. He's just not an author. Right. So what do you do with that? You, you want to continue to keep his voice and you want to help it make it readable so that's what i did i took this company i said i got with my editors i got five editors and some of them are you know most of them are all ex-army officers and we sat down we said hey look here's the deal we got all these stories nobody's telling our stories we need to tell our own damn stories the way we remembered them like the way we experienced them but we understand that our customer statement, just because you hold a pen in your hand, doesn't make you a writer, doesn't make you an author, right? We want them to tell their stories, but we want to help them clean it up so that, you know, it's it's at least easy to read and it makes sense, but it also gives credit to the author. Like, he actually produced something in his own words that were, you know, something that 
somebody could sit down and actually read. So that's kind of where we were at. That's what we do. That's how we kind of go about it. But to start this whole process off, I just make a, we have an interview for about an hour with them over the phone. What do they want to do? What is their story? What's their goal for this book? Most of the time, it's just like, I want, I want to help somebody else out. I want to be able to tell my story and let others know, hey, look, even though you may have suffered this and that, you know, you lost both legs, like, like, you know, uh, JP late, you know, they almost cut his vocal cord in half. They said he would never speak again. His legs were so damaged. They said he wouldn't even be able to use prosthetics. Um, you know, I mean, there's just so many things that went on, all these surgeries. And the dude's thing with Lee Greenwood, the national anthem at the Houston Astros uh, ballpark. And he's walking and he's done all these things and he's overcome. And we hear that all the time, right? But you just see the end product. You don't really know the background. You might know, oh, he got blown up. But you really don't know the struggle and right. just the doubt. And even when doctors come to you and tell you, oh, you're never walking again. You know, I mean, how devastating is that, you know? So, you know, I think it's important to tell those stories. Um, but we have to go through a process and we make every one of our books go through an editing process. It has to be. I mean, we write and we don't see the mistakes that we make when we yeah. write. No, true. Uh, I, I know this. Right. Right. And so even if you put it in grammar or whatever, you're still not, it's just still not good. It, you need somebody else to actually help you out with it. And, and the reason for that is just like I said, with Billy was like, like his books, you know, I mean, I've had guys say, Oh, well, you know, Obama wrote his book. I'm like, you're an idiot. No, he didn't. He sat down, he smoked a cigarette, he had a beer and he talked to a freaking ghost. And that dude wrote the book. He didn't, he didn't write no book. <laughs> he didn't. No, he didn't. I, I've, I've been told like when like a rock and roll artist, cause I'm in the music world, you know, it, they're sitting there with a recorder taking notes, asking questions, and the ghostwriter puts out the book. Yep. Otherwise, it would never get done. Um, right. So I, I go through the editing process. I create the book. One thing I one thing I got from Spencer that he said that was really cool was, you know, he talked about the editing process. He said that his book was like 700,000 words or something <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like Spencer, I think the average book is like 120,000, 80 to 120,000 words. What were you doing? And he's like, you know, they were able to collapse that and still keep the, the, the spirit of what I wanted to say is, but he said, also said that when the book was done and we'd gone through the editing process and did all that, what he appreciated was the support he's gotten after the book was produced, you know, kind of winding this down. How does that work for the, for the author? Yeah, so the one of the hardest things about uh, writing a book is not just writing it, okay? You just don't want your mom to buy five copies of your book. You spent years writing this thing, you know? M most people, most, you know, authors want, you know, their product to get out there on the market. And that's the hardest part, honestly, about getting, doing a book. Um. And there's a lot of independent authors that do very well on social media because they promote it, they've built their following and yada, yada, yada. So what we looked at is 
all these other platforms, yeah, they'll give you a canned marketing package, but they're not really very personal. Um, so, you know, and we're a bunch of vets, right? And we don't want to do things traditional in a traditional sense. So we created a package that includes a lot of the standard marketing that you would see, you know, pre-sales, signed copies, you know, and a lot of it's just online. And we take care of that for our authors on our own platform. And we're building a new website in, right now anyways. It's in the production. It's in the development phase. We're just booked. That's going to be separate from our, you know, publishing side of the house. We'll just have a sales site for books. But when we got to the point where like, okay, you know, how does the industry do their signing parties? And I don't know. Have you ever been to any of those things? I have not. I have not. Have you walked? Let me ask you this. Have you ever walked into Barnes and Noble and seen that author off to the side? Have you ever seen that? Okay. So what, what's your take on that? I mean, what was your initial impression of that? Because I always like to ask this. So when I see that, you know, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, they're, you know, he's at the bookstore and it's not something it's like personal now. And I'm curious. I want to check it out, even though I might not be my genre that I'm interested in. If I'm going, if I'm going to go buy a a Warhammer book or a book about, you know, history, and it's a book about, you know, some trip to Africa, I'm going to be interested in it, but I'm still going to go check it out because that person's there right now. Yeah. How many people are usually in line for that guy, though? I got to tell you, honestly, not that many. Right. A lot of times he's just, he or she is just sitting there alone. By himself, right? And you're like, uh, I feel bad for that dude. Yeah, it's a sense of pity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 100%, right? So here's the other part of that. Barnes & Noble, you have to follow their rules. You're going to have to give them a percentage, yada, yada, yada. There's all these rules and regulations and all this stuff. And being an SF guy, I just don't like rules anyways. I say rules as challenges, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, right. Good Marine. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So uh, he adapted, overcame, improvised, right? Yeah. Super Gumby, baby. That's right. (laughs) So... um, I was like, there's just no way, man. There's no way. So took the idea and I'm like, what is it really that we're doing? I'm celebrating your story. That's what we're doing. You wrote your story, regardless of fiction or your memoir or whatever. Okay. We're celebrating you accomplish your accomplishment. Okay. So I leaned on that and I was like, how can we make this better? Book signing, you go to Barnes and Noble, like you said. That individual is sitting there by themselves, and I mean, they're just trying to sell their book. Everybody knows that, right? So what if you turned it on its head and said, hey, let's have a party? All Good right. Right? Let's go drink some beer. Let's say congratulations to you, bros. Cheers. You kicked ass. You made it happen. You know, I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you. And regardless if I read this damn book, I want to celebrate with you. So where do you do that? Well, we do it at sports bars, breweries, distilleries, comic book shops, coffee shops, wine shops, a place that people want to go and have a good time. Sit down, have a beer, talk, you know, tell the old war story. No shit, there I was, you know, blah, 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 right? You want to have fun. You want to support the guy. You want to bring friends and family. You want to have some food. You want to have some drink. You want to sell some books. 
And so that is one of our cornerstones for what we do for all the authors. And we help them like wherever they're at. We've done it all over the United States and Texas and the East Coast on, you know, in California, all over the place. Or, or was, outside the U.S. as in Spencer's case. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so we've got authors in Canada. We got authors in the U.K. We got Spencer out there, you know, in Romania. Um, so, you know, we have this package. So how do you do that? Right. I can't go to Romania. I don't have the budget just to fly to Romania to have a beer, right? <laughs> and say, you know, hey, congratulations. You know, maybe someday we'll do that. That'd be freaking awesome because I would love to do that. But we just put a package together. We have the author go select the venue. And we have these parameters say, hey, look, you know, it's got to have good parking. You got to have enough space for an eight-foot table. And we've got this all planned out. Like, here's what you need to look for. You know, yeah, you might like the little mom and pop shop, but and that's a great place to go, but, you know, can you put, you know, 40, 50 people in there, you know? And so there's these kind of things that we have developed that kind of guide you through this process. And it's really up to the author, you know, they pick the location and then we send them all the stuff and we talk with the venue and say, Hey, look, we're going to incentivize this thing. You know, what is it that you can give each part and, you know, that, that purchases the book that we could incentivize them to come in. You know, because we want them to have a good time. So usually it's like a beer or a drink or maybe, you know, whatever, a coffee or something like that. And that's on us. We 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 provide that for the author. And so, honestly, they just got to show up. You know, we give them the package, the author package. It's got their books and it's got, you know, a tablecloth. Uh, you know, we do have a camera that you can use to actually, you know, do an, a live event there. Um and then we, we tell them, hey, look, you know, we want to promote this afterwards. Um, so take photos, take videos, you know, take a bunch of pictures. And so then we throw together a video with it afterwards saying, hey, look, you know, let's celebrate, you know, Spencer. I don't know if you've seen his video. Have you seen yeah, his video? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was done really well. Uh, yeah. And so that that's kind of on the high end. You know, sometimes we don't get that high end with, but we try to ensure that we help the authors promote their books from the time it releases with all our social media. Um, and we're really trying to build our following on, on Facebook and our other platforms because that's important because every author that comes in, if we continue to build that, uh, I mean, it's just force multiplier. Concept. Absolutely. So where does the veteran go to get started? Is it to your website? Is it to a phone call? Where, where is it? Where's he go? Where yes. Go? So anybody that wants to start this process, you go to tactical16.com. And I, there's a link right on there. It says, you know, become a published author. And it's pretty simple. It just sends you a simple request back to our office that says, hey, look, I'm interested in writing a book. It asks you a couple of questions that comes into our queue and then we start the whole process. We'll send you a letter and then schedule a phone call. And then, you know, you have to submit a proposal. Okay. You would have to do that with any, with any right, one of the right. publishing companies. Yeah. So we've, we have a proposal, we send it to you, for, you know, if we think we've got something that would, you know, is good. Cause I mean, honestly, I get it. There's a lot of guys out there that are just angry and they're just pissed off. But that's not what we're about. I mean, I want to tell your listeners, look, if you got a legitimate story you want to tell, and it's your story, and you're just not angry and mad, and you just want to be 
just just really be angry about the service in the military and all this stuff, don't contact us because that's not what we're about. Right. That's that's for you to write a blog somewhere and put it on there because you don't have 200 pages of you being pissed off about the army. You don't. Now, if you got a legitimate reason that you're writing your book and it's something that, you know, some of our authors have wrote stuff about, you know, how it affected them and how they were treated in the military. Some of the women. Okay. Then they got legitimate things they want to say. And that's fine. Cause sometimes, you know, that voice needs to be heard by other people to bring about change. But if you're just angry and you're ticked off, don't, don't come to us. Cause that's not what we're about. I want to hear your story. I want to hear what you did. I want to hear about your, your buddies, the people in your platoon, you know, or, if, if there's a lot of guys out there that, that are great authors that have great careers and they were in the military, you know, um, not Dale Brown. Oh man. He wrote, uh, and I, I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote, uh, uh what was it? It was about the submarine red Dawn. It was about Tom, the submarine. Tom, uh, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. Yeah. Yes. Red October. Yeah, yeah, Tom. Red October. Tom Clancy. He's a yeah. military guy. No, yeah, no. yeah. So you know, those individuals. If you if you've got a story that you want to tell, uh, be it a fiction, kids' book, poems. We've got a lot of guys that are coming out of the woodwork about poems, um, Vietnam stories. These guys are passing away at a rate that is just it's it's staggering. Because um, they got cancer and they got all these things and they're getting older and they're just passing away, but nobody's told their stories. So um, you just go to the website, you know, we're open to anything, uh, but we just have to kind of figure it out where you're at with this book. What is your goal? What do you want to do with it? Why are you telling your story? You know, if you want to tell a series, I'm all for it. Come to us. If you're military, um, vet, a spouse, family member, friend, you know, first responders, family members, friends, kind of like USAA. Yep. <laughs> None of this stuff is my own idea, man. All right, so no problem. <laughs> last question, last question. And I, and I maybe should have asked this first, but it didn't really occur to me. Where does Tactical 16, where, where does that come from? I, I couldn't really find that. And I, it didn't gel with me, but I'm like, it. I like it because it's like, huh, and it sticks out in my mind. Like when I see Tactical 16 come up my social media feeds, I'm like, I that's Tactical 16 right away. And actually, um, I'll send you a picture later. Your sticker that I got from uh, Spencer is on my oh, yeah. uh, Oscar Mike Radio SKB case, which is pretty cool. But where did it come from? Yeah. So that's not my idea either. <laughs> <laughs> this is from uh, Eric Shaw. Anyways, so... Two parts. Tactical just represents anybody that's ever been in the tactical world, okay? Whether that be you're an EMT, uh, you know, um, emergency room nurse, whatever. You're kind of on that cutting edge, at that front line, you know, you, you, you've served in uniform, okay? So it just kind of covers that broad spectrum, if you will. It's more of a encompasses everybody that we, we do, and, it, and everybody likes tactical. Um, the second part, 16, which was funny because when I started this company, I would run around with a, an older 
logo t-shirt and it just said tactical 16 on it and i would ask people i was like what do we do when you see this what do you what do we do what comes to mind and they're like oh you build guns and i was like oh i was like no <laughs> oh i had to change it all we did was add publishing but the 16 now get this the 16 and this is brilliant it represents the 16 acres that was destroyed on 9-11 at Ground Zero. There were 16 wow. acres that were destroyed. So it has nothing to do with guns or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. And it's a little hard for you know individuals to get that when they just see Tactical 16. So that's why we've put publishing on there and we've changed the logo um, to kind of you know have that shield like you know, we want to shield our veterans from entities that want to sensationalize their story and change their story. We want them to tell their story in the way they remembered it and the way they experienced it. So, Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, this is Travis. I'm Travis with Oscar Mike Radio, and I got connected to uh, Chris through Spencer Emsch's book, Time of Flight, with Ethical 16 Publishing, and I was very interested uh, you know, I've done some writing the last year myself and, you know, really experienced the power of writing. And look, there's a lot of those veterans out there that are creative. Uh, we have a story to tell, whether it's funny, sad, or just factual. So you have an opportunity here to engage with somebody who's, who's one of us and knows what we go through. So I'll have all the links in all the social media feeds and the Oscar Mike video show post. And Chris, I want to say thank you for coming on and sharing with me. I've really learned a lot. Thank you. Yeah, Travis, thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, like I said, if, if anything, if any of your listeners, I mean, even if you don't want to write a book, just try to write. I mean, just journal. Just just try it. Just give it a give it a shot. Don't write for six hours straight. You can write for 15 minutes. That's kind of what is suggested. So don't do what I did. Um, so, yeah. 15 minutes a day, anybody can do that. And, you know, when you do that, you'll be mission in flight. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Travis. I appreciate it, bud. Thanks.